Today I'm talking about worry and anxiety. And as a pastor, when, I, when we minister to people, this is a problem that many, many people struggle with. And Jesus warned that in the last days there would be unfolding traumas, earthquakes, wars, and many disasters. You could probably even include viruses. Yet he said to his disciples in Luke chapter 21 verse 9, do not be terrified. And often our lives can seem as though they're on, we're on a roller coaster. We can be fearful that our lives are in danger. Some of us have memories of near-death experiences. The greatest cause of death in the US is heart failure. Approximately every 34 seconds, a heart stops beating and somebody dies, usually suddenly. A major contributor to heart failure is people's inability to handle stress. I uh, read a story of some guys that had a stag party and they got the groom and uh, they tied him up. Obviously there'd been a lot of drinking going on as well. And they tied him to a railway line. A line that was not used. But next to that line was a real train line. And this guy could hear an approaching train. And so he's kicking and fighting frantically to get off the line. And the train thunders past. And then when they went over to untie him, they found that he had died of a heart attack. There's times when stress is unavoidable. The death of a loved one, loss of a job, severe illness, moving home, going through a relationship breakup. But much of our stress can be avoided. It's ironic that the higher the standard of living in society, the higher the incidence of worry, anxiety and neurosis. In fact, in Sol Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 12, he said, The sleep of a labouring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. J.D. Rockefeller Sr. made his first million by the time he was 33. When he was 43, he controlled the Standard Oil Company, the world's largest company. By 53, he was the richest man on the planet, the world's only billionaire. He was earning a million a week. But as the richest man in the world, he was also the most miserable. His digestive system only allowed him to eat crackers and milk. He was unhappy. He had poor health. He couldn't sleep. Everyone hated him because he was ruthless in his climb to the top and had many enemies. His brother hated him so much that he removed the bodies of his children from the family tomb. 
Rockefeller's hair fell out. He aged prematurely and he was given only a few months to live. Then he learned the joy of giving and his life changed. He became a happy, worry-free man. Instead of worrying about losing his money, he began to give it away. He established the Rockefeller Foundation and poured millions into schools and medicine. He financed research into the discovery of penicillin and the eradication of hookworm. He spent hundreds of millions helping other people solve their worries. In so doing, he overcame his own worries. His health improved. And he eventually died at age 98. Imagine having such a strong faith and belief in God that there is no room for worry. Worry removes God from the throne of our lives and makes other things our master. Worry is a sign of a self-centered rather than a Christ-centered life. Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 34, So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. Jesus does not pretend that worrying can be completely eradicated. He realised that life has its problems and worry is a real part of every person's life. The way to cope with worry is to handle it and take it in small doses. Handling worry in the proper doses is helpful rather than harmful. An overdose of worry is as destructive as an overdose of drugs. So Jesus says, live one day at a time and only worry about the solutions to the problems of that particular day. Don't borrow tomorrow's worries. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And so don't worry about tomorrow. Live one day at a time. But attend to those daily things as quickly as possible. If there's something that you've got to deal with, deal with it straight away. Get it out of the way so that you don't have to endure the anxiety of it. And our society is worked in such a way that financially, if you are late with a payment, if you get into credit card debt, they can charge you 19% interest on your credit card. Yet if you're trying to invest money and make some interest, the most you can get these days is about 2.5%. And the banks want you to get into debt. So don't fall into that trap. Set yourself limits. Pay your bills on time. Be wise in the way you manage your affairs. We don't know what the future holds. And so to worry about it is to build on guesswork. And this leads us to jumping to false conclusions. Here are some statistics about the things that we worry about. So 40% of the things that we worry about will never happen. 
30% of those things that you're worrying about involve the unchangeable things of the past. 12% focus on the opinions of other people that we can't control. They're out of our control. 10% is about our personal health, which only gets worse when we worry about it. 8%, only 8% concerns real problems that we can influence. This means that 92% of our worries are needless and irrelevant. There can also be circumstances that are very complicated that seem to make no sense. These are times when we're to trust God and to surrender to him. We can have peace in the middle of situations that don't make logical sense. We don't need to know every detail about God's plan for our lives. We have to trust that what God is making happen in our life is ultimately for our good. Often we can get ahead of God and try to map out his ways for, for him. Peace is not dependent on our circumstances, but upon our faith in God. Have a look at these verses, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You don't have to understand everything. There will be things that you don't understand. And so just trust God in those areas that you don't understand. And then 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7 says, Walk by faith and not by sight. Trust in Jesus, no matter where you're going, whatever you're doing, trust that he's in control, that he's looking after you. But, you know, <clears throat> the Bible is God's word. It's God's truth. He made us. And when it comes to problems in our lives, God always gives us an answer to the problem. And the main way to deal with worry is found in Philippians 4, verses 5 to 7. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, you can only really be gentle when you're not anxious. When you're stressed out, you're often angry. And you're likely to erupt in that situation. The Lord is with you. That's a very important phrase. Don't forget that the Lord is always with you. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I want to spend the rest of this sermon unpacking what, that, what those verses mean and how do we apply those verses to our lives. 
Now these verses were in a letter that Paul sent to the church in Philippi. And there were all sorts of problems going down in Philippi. These were some of the problems with that church. There were preachers who were getting caught up in selfish gain. There was squabbling among the church members. There were false teachers who were preaching a crossless gospel. Some believers were struggling to find housing, food and shelter. There was much persecution. Yet Paul turned around to all those people and said, don't worry about anything. So Paul presents this plan to help us to stop worrying and to get our lives in order. So the very first thing he says is rejoice. Now to rejoice means we have to be joyful. Be joyful about the good things that are happening in your life. And then that second phrase, the Lord is with you. You know, if we can come to a revelation of what that means. We lived in Southeast Asia for six years and one year, one year when it was not long after we arrived, um, we went shopping in Kuala Lumpur and we lost our son who was five years old. <laughs> we were in this massive shopping mall and I thought that Timothy was with Helen and she thought that he was with me. And then we met up with Timothy. And that was a, t a city where there was child snatching and all sorts of things going down. So obviously we were uh, pretty worried and we went to the main office and they started looking around and then we found that he was in an office on a particular floor eating biscuits and drinking coke with the sales assistants. <laughs> but from that time on we made pretty strict rules about our children when we went shopping. And so Helen would take the two girls and Tim and I would go off shopping together. And our rule was, if you're in a big mall, you never, move, you never leave the shop that you're in, the store that you're in, without the other person. So there was that guarantee that, that, that we'd always be there and then when it was time to go to another shop, uh, we'd meet up and we would leave together. So we knew where we were all the time. I mean, the truth of the matter is the girls, we'd say, look, we'll meet it catch up in an hour and the girls would be sort of off looking at all these clothing shops and that and we'd look at a couple of sports shops and maybe a menswear shop and then we'd go down to the food court and sort of um, buy burgers at McDonald's or something and then meet the girls but we wouldn't tell them where we'd been. <coughs> anyway, our Heavenly Father makes a similar request. He says, stay close to me. Talk to me. Listen to me. And then the third step here, the prayer of gratitude in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Switch from that place of anxiety by becoming a person who is grateful. Okay, so these things are pretty much mutually exclusive. We can either be anxious 
or we can be grateful. And so if we start focusing on the good things that God has done in our life, it will push to the side the things that we're worried about. So just think, you can't sleep at night time. Okay? You're having a problem sleeping because you're churning the problems of tomorrow. So at that point, be grateful. Think about all the good things that have happened in your life. Meditate on them. And then take the bad things and dump them on God. Give them to him. Say, okay, God, you said I can tell you. I can pray about everything. I can give you my anxieties. And so I'm not going to worry about this anymore. This is your problem. I'm telling you what this problem is. I'm praying to you to solve this problem. And so I want peace so that I can sleep, so that I don't get more wound up about these things. As a shepherd boy, David decided that he was the man to fight Goliath. But King Saul didn't think that David was up to it. This is how David responded in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34. He said to Saul, I have been taking care of my father's sheep. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine Goliath, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who saved me from the claws of the lion and the bear will save me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. What did David do in that situation? He thought back to a situation in his life where God had come through for him. And we all have situations like that. Okay? Two years ago, I ended up with sepsis that could have taken my life. Fortunately, when I, was, when I realized I was unwell, I was one and a half K from Auckland Hospital. And I didn't know how serious my condition was until the, uh, the, the chief sort of surgeon in an emergency stared me down and said, you're very sick. People take months to recover from what you've got. But I was back at work after major surgery as well, uh, five weeks later, and I can look back on that occasion and I can say God was with me in that situation. If we'd still been in Azerbaijan at that time, or even in Topol, I probably would not be here today. So that's a memory that I can look back on. And I can say, God, you were faithful. You helped me in that situation. And just like you helped me in that situation, you are going to help me in the future. So say your doctor tells you that uh, you need surgery. He's detected a lump that needs to be removed. And he's just handed you a cup full of anxiety. 
What are you going to do with it? You can dump it in a pot of worry and stir it around and stew on it. And if you do, it won't be long before you're feeling discouraged and depressed. But an alternative is to use the pot of prayer. Before you enter the doctor's clinic, give the problem to the Lord. Pray, Father, I accept your lordship in this situation. Nothing comes to me that hasn't passed through you. Thank you for your love towards me. And so recall the lion and the bear. Those answers to prayer in days gone by. The unexpected tax refund. The timely advice that got you out of a difficult situation. That new job or promotion that you got. That quick healing from what was potentially a very dangerous condition. Look back into the past and generate strength, faith and hope for the future. Our part is to pray and to be thankful. God's part is to provide peace and protection for each one of us. And so in verse 7 it says, If we do this, we will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful... Hang on. Yeah. Which is... Have we got the verse up? Uh, so the last verse there, it says, um, If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as we live in Christ. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds. Wow, isn't that amazing? Even in these difficult situations, God's peace can guard our hearts and our minds. Do you think that God gets anxious in heaven? Of course he doesn't. God enjoys perfect peace because he also has perfect power and he offers that peace to each one of us. A peace that will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. When we worry, we're essentially doubting God's promise and provision towards us. Paul isn't suggesting that we live an irresponsible, carefree, careless life. We're still required to carefully manage our lives and our problems. Many of God's blessings are actually conditional. We can't live a life of disobedience toward God and expect to God to always step in and rescue us. It's a bit like parents, grandparents and their children. We want to train our children how to manage money how to save money. But if they're impulsive and they keep on going out and buying useless stuff and then they say, look, I'm in trouble, uh, I can't pay the rent, I can't pay the bill, will you help me? Then by helping them all the time, we're just reinforcing their actions and encouraging them to live that way. Sometimes people have to go through hardship to learn. And it's the same with us and God. We've got to be careful 
that our greed or selfish ambition isn't getting us into these situations that cause the difficulty in our lives. Because ultimately, we reap what we sow in life. In James 3 verse 16, it says, For where there's envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So if we're selfish and it's all about us, we will find ourselves in a difficult situation. People often overcommit financially because they want to project an image of being successful. So they buy a car that costs far more than they can afford and have regular payments that get them into financial trouble. Proverbs 25 verse 28, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. God will give us that self-control that will help us negotiate life. And so self-control, integrity and courage are necessary for us to stay on course as we walk this journey called life. People make changes when they're in a crisis, but then they often return to their old ways. So the question I would ask you all this morning is, are you bound by worry and fear? Are you bound in knots of anxiety? 1 Peter 5 verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Imagine forcing someone out of a building and saying, get out of here, don't come back. That's what we have to do with our anxiety and our fears. Get serious with them. Cast them on to Jesus. Make them his problem rather than yours. Worry is a choice. Be quick to pray and hand your problems over to God. Focus less on the problems ahead and more on the victories in the past. Verse 8, finally, the last verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on what is true, honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Wow, think about that. Are you full of fear, worry, anxiety? Or are you thinking about things that are pure and lovely and admirable, true? What are you filling your thoughts with? We have a choice. And as we focus on the right things, God will guard our hearts with his peace. Let's pray. Lord, we renounce our fear and worry. We cast these strongholds upon you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are a faithful God who has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Give us wisdom to confront the difficult situations in our lives. Keep us free from the snares of greed, selfish ambition and pride and replace them with your peace and joy. Increase our vision, our faith and our courage. In Jesus' name, amen.